If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with us to the book of Judges. Judges chapter 3, verses 12 through 15. And then we'll look at Judges 20, verses 15 through 17. <clears throat> and if I don't pronounce these men's names like you would, um, see me in the hereafter and we'll try to straighten it out. Judges 3, beginning verse 12. And the children of Israel did evil again in the sight of the Lord. And the Lord strengthened Eglon, the king of Moab, against Israel because they had done evil in the sight of the Lord. I want you to understand that right there. In the sight of the Lord. God sees everything. I can hide from you. You can hide from me. But we cannot hide from God. And he gathered unto him the children of Ammon and Emelech. And went and smote Israel and possessed the city of palm trees. So the children of Israel served Eglon, the king of Moab, for 18 years. But when the children of Israel cried unto the Lord, the Lord raised them up a deliverer, Ehud, the son of Jeriel, a Benjamite, a man left-handed, and by him the children of Israel sent a present unto Eglon, the king of Moab. And Judges 20, beginning with verse 15. And the children of Benjamin were numbered at that time out of the cities 20 and 6,000 men that drew sword. Besides the inhabitants of Gilead which were numbered 700 chosen men. Among all this people, there were 700 chosen men, all left-handed. Everyone could sling a stone at the width of a hair and not miss. And the men of Israel, besides Benjamin, were numbered 400,000 men that drew sword. And all these were men of war. Father, I pray that you would speak to our hearts now concerning your holy word. Lord, I thank you for men, even today, who are not afraid to take up the sword and go to war. Lord, I thank you for those that are serving right now on battlefields all across our world. And I pray protection over them. And I thank you, Lord, that they are willing to go so that we here at home can enjoy our freedom. Lord, we'll thank you and praise you for all you do for us today. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> I wouldn't embarrass anybody in this room today, but uh, if you have a grandchild or a great-grandchild or a child that is not in this room today, that is left-handed, would you stand up? If you got a grandchild or a child, all right, now don't sit down. Now, how many of us in this room are actually left-handed? Would you stand up? If you're left-handed, I want you to stand, okay? Keep standing now. Now, the rest of you, I don't know what your problem is, but listen, everybody was born left-handed, until you commit your first sin, y'all can sit down. Being left-handed to some people is funny. 
But I'm thankful to be left-handed. I'm thankful that I'm not the only one here today that's in their right mind. Now, if I may say this right, psychiatrists say the right side of the brain operates the left side of the body. Okay? I'm left-handed, so I'm in my right mind, regardless of what you think. And I'm thankful to be left-handed. I was born left-handed. I was the only one in the Owen clan that was left-handed until 2009 when our fourth grandchild was born. And his name is Arden, which comes out of the Bible. And he is left-handed. I was so happy. But you know what? My mama and my daddy never, ever took the pencil out of this hand and stuck it in this hand and said, I want you to be right-handed. I know some folk that have... Excuse me, we're treated that way, and today, excuse me, they don't know where they left or right. You can't hardly read the writing. You know whose fault that is? That's mom and daddy's fault. God chose to make me left-handed for a reason. I got a left-handed hammer. I got a left-handed trowel. I got a left-handed power saw. I have on this morning a left-handed shirt. Life if you want to. I'm only talking to the men right now. Ray, you got a pocket on that shirt? Huh? Which side's it on? On the left side. He's got a right-handed shirt. Mr. James, you got a pocket on that shirt? It's on the left. You know where my pocket is? It's a left-handed shirt. When you reach for your ink pen, where do you reach? Right here. I'm left-handed, I still reach right here. But it ain't there. I have to come over here. His name is uh, Grady. Thank goodness the last name ain't Nut. Gary will have to deal with that later. I lay brick left-handed. When I play golf, I play right-handed. I throw right-handed. When I put my socks on, I put my left sock on first. You know why? So I put the right one on the right foot. That's why I do that. But many people, I, I say to them, I say, do you realize that being left-handed, it's in the Bible? No, I've never heard of it. Well, I done read it to you. Two passages there. 700 chosen men, and every one of them was left-handed. And I know that probably Kenny's not the only one in here that shoots a bow or slings a sling, but it says those 700 chosen left-handed guys could take a rock in a sling and split a hair. That's pretty sharp, isn't it? I mean, I had to have glasses on sometime to even see a hair, let alone split it. Who made them that way? God did. God directed these boys. Hey, you choose left Handed men. Now I'm just joking about the rest of you. I love all of you. If you're right-handed, praise God. I was always a blessing. They didn't really say it. <laughs> I was always a blessing when we were laying brick on a project uh, that I was the left-handed guy. Okay, I lay. I can lay brick going forward. I can lay brick going backwards. Okay, 
But if you got a left-handed man on the job and you got a right-handed man on the job, nobody ever has to back up. Everybody's going forward, you see. You can lay more brick going forward than you can going backwards. So, well, I've been called Southpaw all my life, been made fun of all my life. Old lefty, look at him. I said, whatever you do right-handed, I can do better. Well, you've got to have some kind of attitude. This is not a left-handed world, but we deal with it. The title of this message is just simply this, Left-Handed Warriors. Every one of us in this room right now, if we're saved, listen, if we're saved, we are soldiers off the cross. We are warriors, whether we're left-handed or right-handed. Also, I can bat right-handed. I can write right-handed. I can lay brick right-handed. But basically, I'm left-handed. When I fill out an application for anything or any kind of paperwork, if they ask that on there, I put down left. Sometimes they probably wish I'd have left, but that's all right. But when I think of this and what, what God said in the Word, that they were chosen men. Listen, every one of us in this room right now, we are chosen by God, okay? We are chosen. Some, though, you, because you've never accepted Christ as your Savior, you've already been chosen, but you haven't accepted the choice. The choice is not left, it's not right, it's straight down the middle. Jesus said, you either for me or you are against me. So if you're lost, I beg you today, just simply say, Lord, forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart and save my soul. And he's promised to do it. He has promised to do it and will do it. It's not whether I'm left-handed, right-handed. It's not what I have done back yonder because God can change everything. He can change it all. There was a lady, as a child, her and her brothers were out in the wood. They were chopping wood. Now, why this happened, I do not know, but she simply says, cut my fingers off. The brother did it. Cut all four of them off. And all of her life, all she had on this hand, it looked like that. That's the way it looked. She really didn't miss them. Because really, as a little child growing up without them, hey, she could do anything anybody else could do. It was amazing to me what those little four nubs could do. She was a faithful Christian. Well, she's done passed on now. She's in heaven. She got everything, okay? But when I think about left-handed warriors, the first thing, there's three things very simple I want to share with you today, and I hope that you will get them. I hope that you will write them down. The first one is this. We are all God's creation. Every one of us. It doesn't make any difference what we look like. If one ear is taller than the other, and if one ear is flared out more than the other one, if we don't walk straight, hey, God made us. We are God's creation. Now, He, God, according to the Bible, uh, is the one that decides all these factors about us, whether we got blue eyes, brown eyes, green eyes, no eyes, whatever. He decides all of that. And when I think about what he decides, um, as God's creation, it's like this to me. We are all one flesh. We believe in one God. 
one Jesus, one baptism, one Holy Spirit. That's not just Baptist theology, okay? That's, that's the Bible. That's the Bible. Regardless of where people walk. They're God's creation. And I think sometimes when we're trying to deal with people, we overlook that they're God's creation also. And you know, it's sad today in school where children are made fun of. You know, I, I, really, I really can't remember being made fun of at school. But we're all God's creation. And He created us, the Bible says, we, He created us in His image. And when I think about that, it, it's a representation of God. And when I think about that, what does the world see when they look at this part of God's creation? What do they see? Hopefully they see Jesus. Hopefully they, they hear Jesus. Hopefully they, they are watching and I'm walking the way I'm supposed to walk according to the Holy Spirit of God. And the best we can do, listen, the devil is unhappy. And so he'll cause things to happen to us that causes us to walk in a manner that's not pleasing to God. Because the Bible says we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. It says the wages of sin is death. Sin, when it is finished, the Bible said it brings forth death. How many in here right now are ready to die? How many of you right now would stand up and walk through that door if you knew some man was out there or a woman with a high-powered rifle and you would be killed right there? Where would your soul go? It's important. I'm God's creation And what I do with this body, it's not up to me. I'm supposed to take care of it. I'm supposed to put the fuel in it. It's supposed to be put in it. But I don't always do that. I don't always put in this thing what I should put in it. But yet I expect it to work. When I eat too much, hey, I realize it. I know it. My stomach tells me, hey, you put more down here and I'm going to deal with it. And you know what happens then? Well, we're God's creation. We're supposed to take care of this this thing called the body. This thing that we're walking around in. What if today, listen to me, what if today I had to drag oxygen tanks around just so I could breathe, okay? What if I had a box hanging on my back to keep my heart beating? I got to make sure the heart beats. I got to make sure I'm able to breathe. Uh, I need another apparatus strapped on there that I can push buttons. Say, I'm fixing to walk 30 steps and make a left. I got to put that in the computer so when I get 30 steps, I'll make that left I'm supposed to make. What if I had to have something sitting up on top of here? It's time to blink your eyes. It's time to water your eyes a little so they don't dry up and fall out. See, God has taken care of all of that. I mean, I lay down at night. I don't say, all right, lungs, I'm fixing to go to sleep. Now, boys, please stay awake and keep breathing. Heart, if you don't mind, would you keep beating because I'm fixing to go to sleep. Eyes, would you please shut to where I can sleep. Many of you probably remember Joanne Smith. She was a member of Earl's Grove Baptist Church. She woke up one morning preparing to go to work and couldn't get out of bed. She had what they call, I believe, Gilliam barre Syndrome. Uh, as soon as I found it out, they had sent her to Seneca, Oconee, from there to Greenville. I made my way to Greenville, 
This is how quick acting that stuff was. It started in her feet, the ankles that morning. By lunchtime, she could not even close her eyes. At night, they had to tape her eyelids down so she could shut out the darkness, so she could sleep. I would go see her, and I'd, I'd say, Joanne, what can I do? She said, would you move my right arm? The only thing about her, she could move her head and she could talk. That's it. All, all her, everything about her shut down within eight hours. You see, we think we are Mr. or Mrs. It, okay? I can do what I want to as long as I want to. It's nobody's business, but what if? All the factors, all these internal parts decide they're going to shut down. Then where will this creation be? I want you to understand this morning that we are God's creation. Second thing I want you to remember is the Bible says we are fearfully and wonderfully made. The word, excuse me, the word in the scripture there, fearfully, means lacking courage, okay? Fearfully, lacking courage. You didn't say we didn't have courage. We lack enough courage to move forward because of fear. Or what if I do this? What, 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 what would happen if I did this? Or what happens if I do that? You know, there's some things in this world we can't control. One of those things happened this week that I wished I could have controlled and I couldn't. I, my hands were tied. I could not control it. All I could do was pray. And I want you to get that. Fearfully pray. Fearfully pray. Cautiously pray. It also says, <coughs> excuse me. It also says not only was I fearfully made, But it says in Psalm 139, verse 14, if you're writing, Psalm 139, verse 14. (coughs) Excuse me, I'm on what I've got. It says, I am wonderfully, marvelously, miraculously, fabulously made. I remember when I was a child playing with clay. I can still smell that. Can you smell it? I can still smell clay when I was a hot smell when I was a child. It don't quite smell that way now, but I remember those 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 uh, clay bars. Uh, they'd be looked like maybe an inch square and about six or eight inches long, and we'd take that stuff and rub it and form it and make things out of it. Can you imagine what it must have been like when God said to Jesus? And the Holy Spirit, hey guys, let's make a man. You want to? Let's just make a man. Took that clay, formed it, fixed it, and there it lays, dead, helpless. And then God said, the Bible says that God breathed into the nostrils of man, and he became a living being, fearfully and wonderfully made. But then somebody said, God said, hey, y'all, I believe I can beat that. And he made a woman. Hallelujah. I'm thankful for my main squeeze. I don't know about you, but I'm a blessed man, even though she beat me in bowling. That's okay. That is okay. She's still mine. The man said, she's all mine, okay? I'm thankful for the creation 
of God creating me in his image. Um, it's a miracle. It is nothing short of a miracle what goes on inside of a woman when she is carrying a baby. It's nothing short of a miracle. And I remember when Lynn first became pregnant with Josh. At night, we'd be laying there in the bed. She'd say, look, man, he was carrying on in there. And I'm thinking, what, what, what he's going to look like? <laughs> you know, you wonder about it. And I never will forget the words out of Lynn's mouth. As soon as Josh was born, that nurse wrapped him up in a towel. She said, honey, you okay? She said, does he have everything? <laughs> it was so funny, this little black nurse said, honey, he got everything. Woo! Praise the Lord. It's a nothing but a miracle. Those of you ladies who've had babies, you know what I'm talking about. It's nothing short of a miracle that God can put together a man, listen to me, a man and a woman to have a baby. God created Adam and Eve and not Adam and Steve. You get it? And I'm thankful. People say, well, I was born that way. No, you wasn't. You made a choice. You made a choice. But it's amazing to me when I look at birds. This, just this morning, there was a red cardinal. He's the male. And a brown one, the female. I'm thinking, wow, looks like, of course, God is his business. Why the male looks so much better than the female here. Don't make no difference. They got together. They had little cardinals. They did. So what are we supposed to do? We are supposed to choose the way God wants us to choose. And God's not an idiot. Hello? God knows what's going on. He knows your choices and my choices. And that's why he made us fearfully and wonderfully. Listen. Three things I want you to remember. Is we're God's creation. We're fearfully and wonderfully made. But the third thing and the last thing, we, we are to find the job that God has for us. I'm not talking about in the workplace, making money. We're to find the job that God wants us to have. So what would that be? Well, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the law with all thine heart. Lean not to thine own understanding, but in all thy ways acknowledge him, and he will, he shall direct our paths. Trust in the Lord. You know, uh, lean. Lean on God. I mean, don't lean on me. I don't have it all together. Don't lean on me. Lean on God. That word acknowledge. Acknowledge that he's God. There's none any more superior than my God in heaven who created heaven and the earth. There's none greater. This is called the will of God. And when I, I, I ask myself, now honestly, I'm, how can you know the will of God for your life? You know, I, I meet a lot of students today who are going to school. So what you studying? Well, I'm studying this. What you going to do? I don't have a clue. I don't have a clue, but I'm going to school, but I don't have a clue. Um, but what is the will of God? How, how can you know the will of God for your life? James 1, 22, listen. 
Be ye doers of the word and not just hearers. Okay, you want to you do what the will of God is for your life? You read the scripture, it tells us what to do and go do it. You don't have to question God. When he says go ye therefore and share Jesus with somebody, that's pretty cut and dry. You say, how do you do it? There are many, many different ways to do it. You can do it with your mouth. You can do it with, with tracks. You can do it with your, your body functions. You can do it with taking them out to eat. You can do it by just simply loving them and letting them see Jesus in you. It's necessary. It's important. So how can I know the will of God for my life? I adopted this from many years ago. And I have found it to be the right choice. Okay, listen to this. I have learned the best way to know God's will for my life is first impressions that yields a deep, settled peace in my heart. Not just first impressions, but first impressions with a deep, settled peace. Peace. Okay, prior to my surrendering to preach, I had my own construction outfit. We worked, we laid brick. I had my own print shop where people worked. We could walk to church, land taught school five miles away. I was as happy as I could be. I couldn't have been any more happier. Her mom and daddy lived six miles from us. My mom and daddy lived six miles from us. We spent time with them. <clears throat> they spent time with us. I got to see my high school friends periodically. But then came the decision time. For two years, God said, I want you to surrender to me to preach my word. I don't want to, God. I'm happy as I can be. The longer I put that off, the sicker I got on the inside. Because that first impression with a deep settled peace, I didn't want to give in to that. But once I did, I'm going to cut that story real short. Once I did, listen, I think about that first impression when I sat on the side of my bed of many a night. And that still small voice, not an audible voice, would say, I want you to preach. I want you to preach. I want you to preach. I would go to sleep with that on my mind. I want you to preach. And in the back of my mind, I'm not going to do it. I don't want to do it. I'm happy. But then I was lying to myself because that first impression didn't have no deep, settled peace about it. So how can I know the will of God for my life? It's to know that first impression with deep, settled peace is the way my heart gets fixed to know the will of God for my life, not only to preach, not only to try to pastor, but it's doing all the other things that God calls on me to do. You know, it, the will of God never stops, by the way. I thought when I surrendered to preach, okay, God, hallelujah, that's over with. I don't have to worry about that anymore. Next thing came, you got to go to school. Oh, I don't want to go to school. Well, finally I went after school. Well, I think I'm just going to run the print shop and have Christian literature in the shop. That'd, that'd be good enough, won't it, God? Nope, wouldn't be good enough. 
That deep, settled peace didn't come until I said, okay, my pastor in those days said, if you'll get me some resumes, I'll get the word out. Oh, mercy, I didn't want the word out. But the word got out. And you know the rest of the story. We're God's creation. We're fearfully and wonderfully made. And it's important, y'all, to know what God wants you to do. You know, I thought this morning when I went back to get my mic and things on, just looking from, at you all from back, and I'm thinking about me, and I'm thinking, why are these people here today? Why, why did they come to church today? Is it a habit? Uh, is it routine? Did somebody make you come? Did you feel bad at home? I don't want to stay home. I want to go to, I'm going to go to church today. There's all sorts of reasons why we're here today. And the only way you're going to know God's will for your life is that first impression that gives a, a deep, settled peace in your heart. If you're lost, the devil's saying right now, don't pay him any attention. Just a few minutes and you're going to be out of here and you'll be okay. But what's going to happen this afternoon if you die? If you're killed in an auto wreck? What's going to happen to you? Soul. That's the most important thing. Is to know and have that deep settled peace that I'm saved by the blood of Jesus. I can't save you. Your husband, your wife, your children can't save you. But God can and will and wants to. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for the privilege this morning to try to share your word. Lord, I thank you, I thank you, and I praise you for who you are. And Lord, I, I know it's no trouble for you, but many times I struggle and I struggle and I struggle to be what you want me to be and to say what you want me to say, but God, you said you'd never leave me nor forsake me, that you'd give me the words that needs to be said. And Father, I thank you this morning that I am your creation that I know I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And Lord, right now at this very moment, I know that I'm in your will. And God, if there's another will there that I need to be after, I just pray that you'd reveal it to me so that I can get on with life, God, and be, be pleasing in your sight. God, we love you. We thank you for those who've come today. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're lost,